Next Chapter Podcast. Welcome to Thick Skin with Jock and Hawk. I'm Jock Jones. And I'm Latroy Hawkins. This show is called Thick Skin because you have to have thick skin to be in the spotlight. Whether you're a professional athlete like me and Hawk, played in the bigs, or you're an entertainer, the media will come after you. So you better get ready. We're here to tell it like it is, correcting the media when they get it wrong, and dive deep into the world of sports, all sports, and entertainment from an athlete's perspective. we got a great show for you today. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get started. What's going on? Tell me something good. Man, I'm, I'm just... Fresh back from Arizona, getting a physical done, my yearly physical, feeling good. I already know I'm looking good. So what we got on tap today? Oh, you're looking good. Okay. Did I tell you that or somebody else told you that? (laughs) (laughs) The mirror every day when I look in the mirror, man, I'm like, golly. You kind of have Well, I'm glad you you went to the the mail clinic and got your checkup and while we're on talking about your physical, all men should go out and get checked. Yes, uh, do that. I know it's a thing with men. We don't like to go to the doctor. But you and I have been talking about this a couple of years. You talked to me about you know my time at, at the Mayo Clinic going to get a physical, and you went soon after that. So, guys, you're out there. Go get checked. Um, just don't let the women in your lives um, going to the doctor, getting themselves checked all the time. You can go get yourself checked as well before anything gets get, get serious. We got a couple of topics today. Uh, Shaq Lawson, the defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, and his teammate Jordan Phillips got into a confrontation, um, the game with uh, a fan. Got a fan that was sitting from the video. looked like he was not sitting where the fans were, but he was in like a little a little area just below that. And I guess he had been on the players the entire night talking trash and saying God knows what. So towards the end of the game. Um, Phillips and Shaq having words with him and Shaq walks over to him. They go face nose to nose Mm -hmm. and something transpired where Shaq pushed the fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you had some, some issues with fans just like myself in a certain city, Mm -hmm. uh, with the area code of three, one, two, but, um, what's your take on, you know, what Shaq and his teammate Jordan Phillips uh, happened the other night. I so the the physical part of it. Uh, uh, I, I'm off the physical part <laughs> because in, we're in a litigious society, so people are looking for a reason to sue, to make your life miserable, to to take you to court and try to get whatever they can get from you. I mean, they, you know, if, if a if a person puts his hands on you, I mean, it's, it's simple battery. It's battery. Uh, and you don't want those headaches or those problems, but the 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 verbiage in between, I'm all about it because fans think they could just come to the games, say what they want, do what they want, and and we're we as people and athletes are called unprofessional because we engage uh, with these fans, uh, you know, with these fans on, on during the games, and you know in the parking lot or whatever, because they feel like they can say whatever and do whatever. And I just, th- that's, they've got to find a way to, 
to to minimize that because it's gonna it's gonna get real ugly here pretty soon, and it's gonna be a nightmare uh, uh, for publicity for the fans and the players. Uh, I've had my share, fair share of um, interactions with fans who are unruly, disrespectful, the least talented people in the on the face of the planet. I got a couple of words that you can say to me that we're going to have a problem. There are a couple of words. And one of those words calling me the N word. I don't care if you're black or white. So, you know, when somebody listens to the podcast, they go, well, what if he's black and he said, I don't care who says it. I, that's not me. I don't want to be called that. I don't care if you look like me. Don't call it. Don't, don't do it. Do not do it. You can't call me a, a P-U-S-S-Y. First thing I'll tell you, Deborah Morrow didn't raise no P-U-S-S-Ys. I'm sorry. And a B-I-T-C-H. Can't call me a bitch. There's a whole lot of things you can say, but don't say those three things to me. We're going to have a problem. Like Keyshawn said, your fellow Trojan, said today he was talking about, well, don't throw anything at me. That's another one for me. And I'll go a little further. You can throw it, but you better hope like hell it don't touch me. Because you better hope like hell you got bad aim. You better hope like hell your your aim is bad as <laughs> my location was when I walked that guy on four pitches, the reason why you booing me. You better hope because if you hit me and I know where it came from, I'm going up in the stands. I'm getting my lick back. I'm getting my lick back. So, but you're right. There's something like fans have this entitlement of they paid their money. They can say what they want. They can do what they want. and I just don't understand, like, where do you get that mentality from? Where, where does that mentality come from that you think you can completely verbally assault somebody and get away with it, knowing that if that person verbally assaulted you, how would you feel about it? Oh, it, it, it's just oh, yeah. but, but when when the players do it, oh, they're, they're he's getting out of his game. He's not concentrating. He's not focusing. Well, hell, it's kind of hard to focus when you're calling them everything under the sun. Right, and he's trying to do his job. I always say this. I had a conversation earlier with. I always say this. Imagine a fan, right? Or imagine me going into the president's <laughs> office of IBM, right, and just verbally assaulting him. One, I'm not going to get that far. Two, is not going to last that long because they're going to call security. They're going to call. They're going to call whoever they need to call to remove me, one, from the office and from the premises, right? So what? why is it okay for these people to buy tickets to a sporting event? Because they bought a ticket, it, that's the license to verbally assault people and sometimes physically because they do throw things on the field. Why? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense. And that's one of those things I used to say to fans. I say, like, how would I? Okay, bro. If I came in, you working at McDonald's where I think you work at. So I'm taking a little soft little jab mm-hmm. at him. Not saying McDonald's a bad job, but it's usually an older guy who I'm sure he doesn't own a McDonald's. So I'm just going to think about the, the least paying job that I can think of to insult him on the slide. Mm-hmm. And... You don't get my order right. 
I'm not the one to go off about somebody not getting my order right. I'm going to come back in there like, hey, I ordered such and such and such and such. I don't care if you got an attitude. I'm not matching your attitude because guess what? You're dealing with my food, but I'm not going to come in there and destroy you verbally for you making a mistake. That's not going to happen. Like it doesn't, that doesn't register in my brain. But fans think that they, since they paid their money, they're entitled to be part of the show. When you go to a comedy show, you pay your money. People in there, they got zippers on their lips because they don't want to be part of the show. Right. Because guess what? The comedian going to make them part of the show and everybody going to be laughing. They're going to get embarrassed from that comedian. Yeah. Right? So I just, it's, it's, it's a ugly, it's a bad look because people put society, put all these huge expectations and uh, athletes supposed to have thicker skin because he's an athlete yeah. and this and that. And there and you go. They don't understand where I came from. Just because I made that little, a few million that I made playing baseball, huh, you can take the brother out of the out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of me. If I have to revert revert back to that, somebody in trouble, trouble, trouble. And I don't like to revert back. And, and that's that's what they're dealing with, man. They're dealing with people who came from a different walk of life and way of life than what they're used mm-hmm. to, right? And and the other thing is, without those barriers in between them like you wouldn't say a lot of stuff that you're saying to a person's face right so so give them the same respect that you would give them without you know if these barriers were removed you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah but it's just it it, it's it's some it's getting worse and worse it's been getting worse and worse over the years Uh, uh i think it's just we have to hold these people accountable for their actions. Uh, we hold kids accountable for their actions. If you, you, your parent, when they're little, you hold them accountable for their actions. So why aren't we holding these grown adults accountable for their actions in public, in a place where it's 70,000 people and you want to act an ass? Right. I don't, I don't, it, 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 it puzzles me. But I've had my fair share of fans thrown out of the game too. I was like, hey, he got to go. What'd he say? <laughs> He just got to go because you know what? It ain't going to end well. It's not going to end well. He got to go. And I'll ask him first, too. Hey, you want to watch the game from that seat or you want to watch it from a bar across the street? Mm-hmm. You you let me know because I'm I, I, I'm going to keep the best seat in the house. So you let me know where you want to watch the game from because I can make it happen. Either way, I can make it happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I And I used to go at fans. I, no, you're not going to say anything no, to me. Like you said, because I'm walking down the street. And you see me, you ain't going to say nothing. And I ain't a football player. So for that guy to go at a football player like that, I'm like, he must be a nine-degree black belt. He had to be. (laughs) Shaq Shaq Lawson getting to the dang on quarterback whenever he want to. Like, whenever he want to. Six foot three, 240 pounds. And you talking – you talking trash to a dude that can put you in a small package. Make it make sense. Make it make Here's sense. the other thing, too. Like, because <laughs> it's funny you said that because when I was in Chicago, my mom got into somebody's face because they were just going ham on me the whole game. Right. So she got in somebody's face and she's like, hey, like, that's somebody's son and he happens to be my son. 
you understand what I'm? That's a, that's the other component of it. You're you're talking crazy to somebody's dad, brother, son, uncle, right? That loves them dearly. You know what I mean? So you, you're setting yourself up in that way as well. So it's just like, man, just it's okay. You can boo me. You can tell me I suck. Hell, I agree with you on some nights. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're right. I suck. You understand what I'm saying? But man, the 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 some of the verbiage that people use and the language that they use and, and the, the vitriol that they spew it in is like, how can you be how can you pay that much money and be that angry <laughs> at a person who you feel is performing subpar to your standards? And who are you? <laughs> and who are you? I, I love and it stuck with me when I heard you say it. To, to a writer, I can do your job. You cannot do mine. Chicago. Oh, I, I didn't go over dude, the I love, <laughs> I love when you said that because it applies to a lot of people, right? Like mm-hmm. you, some of you didn't make it past high school or little league or, 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 you know, pop one or football or whatever, but now you sit and tell a guy how bad he is because of the money that he makes. Yeah. Why did he swing at all three of those pitches in the, in over his head and the bases were low? Right. And I'm looking at and I'm like, you just don't get it. If it was that easy. Yes. You still be doing everybody. Oh yeah. We be doing. Oh yeah. Everybody. Oh yeah. But you know what? That comes with the territory, which is unfortunate because that shouldn't come with the territory. And when I go to sporting events now, and we'll move on after this. When I go to a sporting event now, it is so hard for me to sit in the stands and listen to some of the most vile things that people say about other people. They have no yes. clue who they are. He, that, like that guy, the coolest guy on the planet. And you over here mad because he struck out. Like he was trying to strike out. Like the guy that's throwing the ball and don't want to live in a nice house and drive a nice car too. Like, I mean, it's part of that's it. That's what I tell him. I t- it's part of it. I, I do it on my social media platform with my friends. I'm just like, man, like you have no idea. Like the 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 worst person on a team would be the best person on a, a rec league team or a, a weekend or whatever, right? They had to have done something to be in that position to where they are. Everybody can be a superstar. Everyone has a, a place and a spot on a team. Might might not appear to you, but there's a reason why they're on that team. The basketball. The 13th guy on the bench in the NBA. And I used to tell my buddy, I said, this dude, I don't care what he looks like when he gets in the game against other NBA players. He would come to the local gym and we would make him look like Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or Oscar Robinson or any other NFL top 50 great or Larry Bird. We would make him look like that. He would dominate us. Man, I'm like, bro, you don't get it, man. Like, that's his job. Like, that's what he do, do for a living. He's a basketball player. Just because he's not running up and down, jumping over people like LeBron and them, don't mean he's not a good basketball player. No. But, man, let's get to this MLB news. The Twins, we lost Sonny Gray to the Cardinals. I think he got a three-year deal, 70. Maybe that's where I got that 73 million from. Uh, He had an incredible, you know, last two years with the Twins. Last year, this past season, 2023, he actually really dominated. 
he was heading, he was in t- trending in that direction last year until he, he got hurt, pulled a lap muscle. And when he came back, he just wasn't the same, but he came into this, he came into this season healthy, um, got away from throwing that two seam as much that, you know, that front hip to left hand hitters started throwing more four seamers, um, you know, started throwing his slurve, his sweeper. He perfected that pitch and his curveball was still very good. And he went out there and put together a Cy Young type of season and was rewarded with a three-year contract. He turned down the Twins qualifying offer, and I think that was like $20.4 million because he knew he can get more elsewhere. Yep. And he's gone on to, eh, I would say, possibly greener pastures. We will see. But I think he's a he's the type of guy, too, that I think he'll excel in a place like St. Louis, like he excelled in Minnesota. Cincinnati didn't excel too much in, in uh, New York because, you know what, he's a country boy and – you know, the lights were too bright and, you know, everything was it was living in the East Coast was probably total chaos for him. And being in the Midwest, everything is slower. What he's accustomed to, um, not as many lights. And he can just go out there and be a baseball player and, and relax. So congrats to Sonny Gray on on getting paid. And and um, hopefully he um, he doesn't do as well when he, when he, when he plays <laughs> against the Twins. But after that, I hope he just dominate and dominate those Cubs. I'll tell you what, he couldn't go to a better place as far as fans go. That was one of the places I, I most enjoyed. They're very knowledgeable about sports. They they pull for their players. It gets a little dicey here and there, but for the most part, they're great baseball, baseball fans. It's a great baseball atmosphere. And when you're on their team, it's like it, you're in heaven because it's it's just they're they're just rabid cardinal fans and they they're everything cardinals so when you're a cardinal like you're pretty much in so you hate the cubs that's for sure oh yeah oh yeah that's a that's a huge ride i've been a part of that and you have two hogs but yeah man i he, he couldn't have landed in a better spot if you enjoy baseball if you want to enjoy baseball he couldn't land in a better spot right so what was your you know what was your mentality and your thought process Back in 2003, which was my last year in um, Minnesota before I left to go to Chicago, and you know we're 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 thick as thieves, like we're yep. like inseparable. It's like we are now, and that just didn't start now. That started back when you first came up to the major leagues, and then you finally get yourself established, and then you know some of those older guys started going our separate ways, leaving for free agency. And so, how did that? How did that affect you if it affected you or not? It affected me, man. I mean, I I met we met you guys when we were babies. We met you guys in nineties, I want to say ninety-six when we first met you guys and, and Tori and I. And Tori was in the organization before me, but we were still babies. And you guys were in, in the big leagues getting you guys self together and establishing yourself. But like the older we got, you guys started leaving one by one. Eddie left, you left, Matt left, our our boy Matt Lawton, he left. And it it's like Man, like, am I going to be next, or is is are we trying to win, or are we trying to? I mean, what are we what are we trying to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, we're 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 losing guys because of of their performance, and they're outperforming what you want to pay them, right? Because that's what it boils down to. It boils down to they're outperforming what you want to pay them. But you're also like people talk about chemistry. People talk about uh, uh, leadership in the clubhouse. 
Like that's what we miss when you guys start leaving. Right. I, I, I learned how to be a professional from you and Eddie. I learned from two pitchers how to be a professional. It, 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 like you guys and Hawk is no disrespect to you, but I used to see you get hammered as a starter. Right. But you'd mm-hmm. come upstairs, like nothing ever happened and, and get your work in and go work out. And, and five days later, you're back out there. And I'm like, man, how in the heck? Like he must don't care. But you you care more than anybody, but you didn't show people that you care. You understand what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. just picking up from that and watching Eddie go through the same stuff, I'm like, I hope I can get to that level <laughs> of not caring one day and turning the page. I remember the exact um instance when I finally came to that mentality. Rick Aguilera. Rick was our close in Minnesota when I first came up and I watched him go out there on one night, blow a save, comes upstairs in a little bitty locker room in Minnesota and well, at Metrodome and we had a little bitty weight room. Our weight room was tiny. Yep. He came in, took his clothes off, was in his sliders and his t-shirt, his house shoes. He'll go in there, do his, his arm exercises, ice. And I was leaving out. I saw him in the, in the weight room. Then I saw him in the training room. Mm-hmm. I left out. Like, okay. Yeah, Maggie. Okay. Next night, get walked. Blow, blow another save. Same thing. Man, consistent as they are. The third night, we got beat again. And he he, he gave up the, the uh, tying run. And then we ended up losing an extra inning. But Aggie's in there doing the same thing. And before I went out, I stopped. I said, Aggie, how do you do it, bro? Said, what's Hawk? What Hawk? And I'm like, how do you do it? Three nights in a row. You went out there and got your ass kicked. Three nights in a row. How do you do it? He said, sometime they're going to get me, but most of the time I'm going to get them. And the only thing I can do is try to be better every time. But my foundation is what I do before the game and what I do after the game. Win, lose, or draw. Right. So what happened out there doesn't dictate how I'm going to perform, how what I'm going to do to continue to prepare for the game. Yep. It happens. It's part of it. I thought about it. I thought about the couple of the pe- bad pitches that I made in and out on to the next day. And I looked at him like, wow. But if you don't know, you look at it like he don't care. It's like, it's, he don't care. But no, we care more than anybody. Way more. But I always tell people this too, like, hey, if I don't care, I said, when you're on the field and you're performing, you're doing good or bad, you're doing bad. You don't show any emotions. You show emotions. Oh, he wears emotions on his on his on his sleeve. If you don't show any emotions, oh, he don't care. So it's like, like fans don't get it, and I didn't get it until that day in Minnesota. Those three days, that three day series, and I had to ask Aguilar, "How do you do it?" And he told me, and that changed how I looked at it. Yep. And you're right. Hey, man, I'm gonna get you seven to eight out of ten times. I, I'm gonna get. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that. You might get me that two, maybe three times, but it's in my favor. It's gonna happen, and it's part of the game. And I was, now I say, hey, they like the nice houses. They like nice car, nice cars. The players, the hitters. So they trying to get it, like I'm trying to get it, and made the best man win that and, night. And that's what Law, uh, our boy Law, he pointed out to me one day. We were. I'll never forget. We were going to uh, uh, play the Marlins, and we're driving up. And he said, 
look out there in that parking lot, right? You look at all like Mercedes and and, and uh, Beamers and trucks and all that. He said, look at that. He said, some of them cars belong to pictures. He said, them big old houses that we got, you got they got them too. So what did that tell you? They just as good as we are. Right? He said, mm-hmm. don't ever forget. He said, don't, don't get used to tipping your cap, but don't be afraid to tip your cap because they're just as good as we are. And and that, when he told me that, like that went a long way. So so again, to answer your question, when when you guys started leaving, right? Like the soul left from the team, right? The the not only the player, but the soul, right? And 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 Law was considered a cancer in our clubhouse, and he was so far from a cancer. The opposite of a cancer. That's what he. Right? He was the opposite. Yeah. Because whatever he had going on, he didn't like. He didn't push it off on us. He was always positive with us, telling, "Hey, man, don't do what I do." You know what I'm saying, dude? This is what you need to do as a professional, right? So, like, I learned so much from you guys, and and but but, you know, trades happen and free agency happens and stuff. But these teams don't look at; they're losing more than just a a. a some numbers and a player, they're losing guys who have influence in the clubhouse, who who guys are watching them go about their business, right? To bring in someone who maybe will perform better, but is not that, you know, as good of a person or professional. Right. So right. Th- this is where some of these... <laughs> You know, these teams, like, they ask, oh, why, how come this team's not winning? And how come, wh- what's going on with this? Man, you got to ask some people in the clubhouse that guys look up to, who guys feed off of, and who guys want to be like as professionals. Yeah. Guys setting a good example. Time when people say, man, how were you able to play 21 years with 12 different teams? And I'm like, hey, man, I don't say, I can't say that I was always the best guy in free agency. No. But I know one thing. I was able to get about four extra years of major league service time because of being a leader in the clubhouse. They knew what I was going to bring on the field, yep. but what set me apart from that other guy who him and I, our stats were probably the same, but what set us apart was my clubhouse presence. And like you said, when you're a pitcher, you usually don't have a clubhouse presence. You really don't because you're not out there every day grinding like the position players. And I under, I understood that. And I didn't go into a locker room to be the leader. I didn't. It was guys just gravitated, and I was able to assume that spot because, you know, a lot of times you go into places, you got your superstar. Doesn't mean he's a leader, like you said. Doesn't mean he's a leader. And I don't think you can, you can, you can make a leader. It's either in you or it's not. And and you can't make a leader. Guys, believe it or not, guys, you had you had no idea how intent i watched you guys you had no idea i mean i've told you before but at the time you had no idea but i just watched how you went about your business i didn't say anything i just watched and i know if i saw it other people saw it you know what i'm saying so and that's why it's important to practice what you preach because it's a lot of times it's easy for guys to you know to link up when you're the same color Black guys, you know, we don't naturally link up with each other. That's just what we do, just like the white guys and the Latino guys. And I tell people, I judge a guy, a leader, by the totality of the guys that follow him, follow yeah. them. 
And you're not a leader if you just got the Latinos following you. You're not a leader if you just got the black guys following you. You're a leader when everybody follows yep. you. No matter if they grew up in a 10,000 square foot house or they grew up in an apartment or in the slums in, in the Dominican Republic. When you got people from all walks of life that follow you, that want to know how you do it, and thank you for going about it the right way and always having an open mind when you're having conversations with them, that's when you're really doing something. Right. That's when you're doing something. That's making an impact. That is making an impact. And we're all about making impacts. Right. Right. And and here's here's the other thing I'll leave you with on this subject, and then we can move on, is I watch I watch guys when they're not at their best. That's when you know and see who a person really is. Because when you when you're going good and and everything's clicking and people are loving you and you're loving yourself, right? It's easy, right? But when 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 the world's against you and, and your back's against the wall and stuff's starting to hit the fan, that's when I really, really, really watch somebody because that tells me a lot about who they are. Because if you can handle the the the, the valleys like you handle the peaks, that's the one I want to follow. Yeah. And I want a guy that's gonna that I see him rooting for everybody yep. on the team. Yep. Everybody. And I think that was the cool, I think that was like the fabric of our Minnesota Twins teams mm-hmm. when we all were there. Like we were genu- genuinely rooting for each each other. 24-7-365. I mean, we rooted for each other. And I and I tell when I left Minnesota, and we'll we'll move on. If I'm in the bullpen with you, if we're part of that seven or eight guys in the bullpen, and when I'm pitching, you're not nervous, if you're not mentally invested, if you're not mentally drained by the end of the night and you didn't pitch, I'm I don't know if I can I'm not I'm not. I'm not invested in you like that because you're not invested in everybody right. else. When you're out there pitching, I'm mentally engaged. Yep. I'm like, and if I'm not pitching at night, I'm still mentally exhausted at the end of the game because guess what? You mean that much to me that I'm following with you pitch by pitch. Yep. You meant that much me much to me because I'm following pitch by pitch when you're when you're hitting. Yep. When Doug McCabbage was hitting, when AJ Przinsky was hitting, when Corey Koski was hitting, when David Ortiz was hitting. I'm locked in on each and every pitch as I was when my guys in the bullpen. Not saying I wasn't like that with the with the you know our five starters, but that bullpen thing it was something different. Like it was, it was a part of me when somebody went out to the bull went out to the game, and somebody else went out as another part of me. Somebody else went out as another part of me. So by the end of the game, you know I got pieces of me that I already pitched, and mentally I already pitched because I didn't you know I'm. I'm down for the I'm down for the cause. I'm down for the cause. Your hometown team, the Padres, they hired Mike Schilt as the third manager in five years, man. What's going on on San Diego? Like they they got the payroll is off the charts. They got really good players. They got really good pitching. What is the issue in San Diego? So the weather's great. The atmosphere is great at the stadium. Um, it's it's a, I mean, you got the Mike Hampton thing. It's a great place to raise a family. 
right? You got some schooling systems that are pretty good here, right? I, and this is me from the outside looking in. I, and I've said this to you know some of my closest friends or to some of my, again, some of my golf buddies because they're all Padre fans. I just think they got too many chefs and not enough cooks. That's that's personally me. I just don't see enough guys wanting to do the dirty work to 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 get it done, man. And Mike Schilt is I coached against him. He was a manager in double A Springfield when I was with the Padres um, as a hitting coach. And I've I've seen him, you know, since I don't know, what was that 2013 or something like that. And he's made his way up up the ladder and, and he, you know, he was an intern there in St. Louis and he did well over there. And I mean, he, he got fired after winning 91 games, right? But he's a baseball man. He's an old school baseball purist. That, that may be what they need here. And I mean, I'm a, I used to get flack for being a Padres fan when I played for the Twins and the Cubs and the Marlins. Like I was, I, it's ingrained in me. I'm sorry. So I've always pulled for this team to bring a championship here. And now we only got one professional team here. So it's even more like, man, like let, let's get it done. But I, but in all serious, I, they just, I just think they have too many chefs, man. And it's, it's not, I mean, they have Soto, they got Tatis, they got Machado, you know, they got Bogart, right. That like, man, big names, but, they got to have more guys around them that don't mind. They need a Dennis Rodman. They need a, you know what I mean? They need a, a Denny Hockey. Denny Hockey. They, yeah. need, they need guys who just plug in over here or plug in over there. Hey, oh, you need a butt? Cool. You need to get a guy over? Cool. Like, you can't. And, and even those guys I just named, some nights, they, they can't be the guy, right? Pass the baton, right? Pull the rope. But for me, that's just personally what I've seen is I just think they have uh, too many chefs and not enough cooks. So Mike, he managed in the Appalachian League uh, 2009 to 2011, Springfield 12 to 14. That's when you guys squared off against each other. Then he went to Memphis 15 and 16. And then didn't coach in 2017, but then was up with the big league team 2018 to 21. He took over the job after Mike Matheny was fired in the middle of 18, brought him back in 19. Like you said, they won the division 91 and 71. He won manager of the year. Yep. And he was the first manager since 1918 to take a team to the playoff having zero minor league or major league experience as a player. Oh. Did you know that? I did not know that. He didn't play the game. I did not know that. He scouted also. He started off as a scout. But how about that? He never played. But I've heard great things about him. Hopefully he can bring the Padre team, that edge that you're looking for, that you talked about. Hopefully he can convince some of those younger guys and those guys that aren't superstars to, you know, do some of the dirty work um, and convince some of the, the, you know, some of those superstars that, hey, this is what we, this is the formula that I think that we need to go by to win the West, get in the playoffs, 
win a couple rounds in the playoffs, and eventually win a World Series. We have to follow this plan. This is the blueprint. And he has to sell it like that to him because, man, it's, I mean, they went out and made some, when they went and got you Darvish that year, yep. well, who they already had, we were like, oh, yeah, it's like, shoot, I'm like, the Dodgers ain't, ain't as I say, as we say, when we talking to each other, we sitting, no, we standing somewhere, the Dodgers ain't effing around, dog. They trying to get after it, man. They, whoo, man, but it just, hadn't, and I thought they were over the hump in 2022. That last September, September 2022, when the Doyers came to town, yeah, I said it, the Doyers came to town, and they punched them in the face. Yep. They punched the Dodgers and the, the Doyers in the face and then whooped them in the playoffs, too. And I'm like, uh-oh, that's a new sheriff in town and a name, Padres. <laughs> but then we get into 2023, and they got off to a horrible start, and it just – just never was able to turn it around and they had, you know, Blake Snell won the Cy Young, right? So, I mean, that's, that's a bright spot. I mean, but then he's leaving it for the agency, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's time to get paid and not pay California taxes, dog. <laughs> but the one thing I can say that we hadn't been able to, again, I'm a native here, right? The one thing I can say is the ownership, was all in on trying to bring a championship. I don't know. I don't know if sometimes it was the right way, but at least, like, we, you know, the year they brought uh, Maddie Kemp and all those guys around, and then they scrapped that. And then, like, like you said, you Darvish and, and um, the rest of the guys, they start bringing in here Machado and, and Tatis, and they, you know, they locked up Tatis, and then they went out. When they went out and got Soto, I was like, man, these guys are not messing around and it, it never used to be like that here because again it was like what we we're talking about with minnesota earlier when a guy you know outprices himself then you know you gotta go but but the management and the ownership now is like we're going after it right and, and that just was not the mentality here so it's it's not from lack of effort on the ownership's part it, it's I don't know if it's chemistry. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is, but just like I said, from the outside looking in, it's just it's like, I really think it shows like you can't buy a You can't buy no, in the world. Series. No, like you're going to have to, you can go out and add some free agents and you're actually going to have to develop some players in your own minor league system. And when you're bringing in, Free agent. Well, when you're trading guys, trading for guys during the season, like the so, like, you're having to give up a king's ransom. So you're depleting your minor league system of talent. And for Soto, I could look right now and see who they gave up for him. But I guarantee it had to be at least three top 100 picks. I mean, prospect uh, C.J. Abrams, Abrams, yeah, and he started at shortstop. Like, I mean, like it's tough. A left-handed pitcher they had in their rotation this year as well. It's tough, man, because you can't replace those guys in your minor league system. I mean, you can get lucky with the scouting department going out and finding a guy, but it just it just don't happen like that. Not that often. It happens, but not often enough. And that's why that minor league system and the minor league system is so important to a major league club because it keeps you from having to go out and 
make bad decisions. Not only that, it's just having an identity in the minor league system to where as you move up, it, the identity doesn't change. The location changes, but the identity doesn't change. And when you get to the big leagues, the identity still doesn't change because that's the way, like, we, that's how we were raised in Minnesota. Right? It started in, in rookie ball. Rookie ball, yeah. And the, the same thing that we did in big league spring training, triple A did, double A did, low A, high A, rookie ball, short season, everyone was doing the same thing. So it wasn't foreign to you when you went to the next level. You just had to get acclimated to the next level. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that plays an important role too, is everybody being on the same page, trying to figure out what the identity is and what kind of brand of baseball you want to play. And that, that's got to start right. in the lower levels. And, you know, with those guys that have been there with the Padres, just the revolving door mm-hmm. of managers. Mm-hmm. And you know what? When we were in Minnesota, we didn't have to worry about our managers getting fired. We did. We had to worry about anybody the manager fired, getting honest. fired until I was with the Astros and Cecil Cooper was my manager and he got fired during the season. And I remember how I felt sick to my stomach because I know he got fired because we weren't playing worth the shit. And I took it personal where I knew guys on my team at the time were they're elated that he was leaving. Like they were excited that this man lost his job and not thinking a little further, like, damn, he lost his job because of us, because we're not playing up to our potential. So that was, and I'll never forget, man, Cecil Cooper. I'll never forget. It was probably about four years later. I saw him in Milwaukee. I was coming to the ballpark. You know, you come down, on that you come in where the players park in and yep. you can walk on the field or you can walk around. On t- I walked on the field and he was out sitting in the stands and he said, Latroy, I'm like, Scoop, what's up, man? And he was like, Hey, you know what? I know it's been a few years now since, you know, I got fired in Houston. He said, I just want to tell you, thank you. And I'm like, what are you thanking me for? Coop? He was like, because man, you just know how it made me feel like you're the only player to come in my, my office when I got fired. I was the only player. The only player. Was Coop a great manager? No, he wasn't. Coop was one of those guys, to me, that he was such a good player, like on a whole nother level type of player. He could hit, you know, play first base. He was just the dude. Like, it's almost like asking Michael Jordan him to coach. It just don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it translates well. And not because they're bad people. I think it's because they... You know, the game came so easy to them that they think it's easy for everybody else and they forget that it's not. How, how they simplify the game is not how everyone else. Everybody does. Right. It, it just right. doesn't happen as easy for most people that, than it does for you. Yeah. And see, I remember Coop in the two years later and I was in um, I was in Milwaukee and I think our manager got fired or he didn't come back after the first year. One of them, it wasn't that big of a deal, but. I think having the the manager fired during the season is like, yeah, that hurt. Yeah. That hurt. Yeah. That hurt. And I was surprised that I was the only one to go in there and say, you know what, Coop? Sorry, man. We couldn't we couldn't play better. Right. We couldn't play better so you can keep your job. 
And I still think about that. Like, wow, I was the only player. There's 24 other freaking guys in that clubhouse. Even if half didn't like him. What about my other teammates? Like, you didn't think it was, you didn't think enough of the man to go say, you know what, Coop, appreciate all you did. Sorry you had to end this way. You know, best of luck to you. Nobody said that. He said, I was the only player. It made me scratch my head. I'm like, damn, Coop, were you that bad? <laughs> but really nice guy. He was a nice man. And But, you know, Dave Clark took over. Another, you yep, know, Dave. Yep. Dave, good dude. He took over and we played better once Dave was there. And, you know, the rest is history. Just another great night talking with you, Jock. Always enjoy hockey. Always. Always a pleasure, and we're going to sign out. It's another episode of Thick Skin with Jock and Hawk. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts.